right while we're there in Matthew chapter number 5. And of course, on uh, Sunday mornings, we've been going through this series uh, entitled Shine as Lights. And we've been learning about how to be the light of the world and the fact that we are the light of the world and uh, how to let our light so shine. And uh, this morning, um, I'm not preaching a Christmas uh, sermon. Uh, I'll be preaching a Christmas sermon on on our Christmas Eve service this uh, Thursday. So I'd encourage you to join us for that. And our Christmas Eve service will actually be the last sermon in this uh, series. And on Christmas Eve, I'll be preaching a sermon called The Light of the World. But uh, this morning, I am dealing with a subject uh, on uh, how to not burn out. And I want to speak to you about how to stay in the Christian life. And we're supposed to shine as lights. But the problem is that we often find Christians who burn out, and they burn up, and they don't last very long in the Christian life. And you're there in Matthew chapter 5, and this, of course, where we began our series several weeks ago. Verse 14 says this, this is what Jesus said to his disciples and what Jesus says to you and I. He says, "'Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid.'" Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Notice verse 16. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Bible tells us that we as Christians and in the Christian life, we are to burn bright. In fact, if you're taking notes tonight, I encourage you to take, excuse me, this morning, and I encourage you to take notes this morning. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down uh, some statements, and I don't want to preach very long this morning because we've already had uh, several long announcements and activities in the choir, and of course, uh, but I encourage you to just jot these things down if you don't have a baby sitting on your lap or something like that. Number one this morning is this. In the Christian life, we are to burn bright like a lit candle. This is what the Bible teaches or the illustration, the representation given, given of the Christian life is that we're the light of the world and therefore we are to burn bright. You're there in Matthew chapter 5. Flip over with me, if you would, to the book of John. John chapter 5. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 5. I want you to notice what the Bible says, what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest man that had lived up to that time. And in John chapter 5 and verse 35, and of course not including the Lord Jesus Christ himself, John 5.35, I want you to notice what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He's speaking about John, John 5.35. He says this, he, referring to John the Baptist, notice these words, was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. See, John the Baptist was a uh, 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 believer, was a Christian, was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist lived his life in the way that Jesus tells us we ought to live our life. In Matthew 5, he was a light. He let his light so shine. But I want you to notice the wording in John 5.35. He says, he was a burning 
and a shining light. And we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about shine as light and what that means. So we've been talking about our personal walk with God and testimony. And we started off with a sermon on, on the fact that the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we talked about what it means to let the world see our good works and how we ought to live our lives that our light may shine. And then we've also talked about spiritual warfare and light versus darkness and putting on the armor of light and turning those that are in darkness from darkness to light. But here's what I want you to understand. Everything we've talked about up to this point, whether you take the idea of letting your light so shine before men and the works that you and I must do in our lives, not for salvation, but because of salvation, not to get saved, but because we are saved, whether it is uh, an engaging in spiritual warfare, whether it is uh, going out soul winning or preaching the word of God, if you're a man uh, you know, behind the pulpit, whether it is uh, just uh, preparing ourselves for the battle, putting on the armor of light, taking off the old man, putting on the new man. All of those things require effort, require energy, require uh, you to uh, use up some of that fuel. And it's interesting because in John 5, he says this about John. He was a burning and a shining light. And I would submit to you this morning that you cannot shine... You cannot be a candle that is lit. You cannot be a, 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 a fire that is uh, providing light. You cannot shine without burning. I mean, the act of shining a light, shining a candle, means you are also burning that light, burning that candle. Jesus said that John was a burning and a shining light. So if you sometimes feel a little tired or a little weary, you sometimes feel like, man, you know, this this, this Christian walk and, and this uh, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it kind of feels like I'm, um, I'm using up some energy, I'm using up some fuel, I'm, I'm burning up a little bit. Hey, that's the whole point. You can't light without burning. You can't shine without burning. He was a burning and a shining light. You're willing for a season to rejoice in his light. And people often say, they say, well, you know, it seems like the being a disciple requires a lot of discipline. Well, that's what it means to be a disciple. The word disciple means to live a disciplined life, means to live a life in which you are denying self and walking in the Spirit, all of this, all of this requires energy. So you need to understand, and you and I need to understand, that we're going to shine as light. Because I think most Christians would say, oh yeah, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. But realize, you can't do that. You can't do that without burning up. And some Christians don't only burn up in the process of shining, because we all burn up, We all get tired. We all get weary. Some Christians burn out. They burn up completely. You've heard me say this before, and I've I've heard it from others, and I agree with it. The Christian life is not measured by years. Don't don't tell me and don't try to impress me uh, with how many years you've been uh, serving the Lord. And I'm not putting down uh, how many years you've been serving the Lord, but the Christian life is really not measured in years. It's measured in decades. You know, if you want to really impress somebody, tell us how many decades. That's why we don't normally, when it comes to uh, anniversaries, we don't normally go around asking every married couple how many years they've been married. But there are certain couples that we do make a big deal about it because if you want to impress somebody, tell somebody you've been married for 42 years. Tell somebody you've been married for 50 years. 
You want to impress me with your soul winning? Don't tell me how many months you've been out soul winning, or how many years you've been out soul winning. Tell me how many decades you've been out soul winning. The Christian life is not measured by years. It is measured by decades. The reason that it is so, uh, 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 it, it, it is so unique It is so unique to find a Christian who's been reading his Bible consistently every day and has a habit of daily Bible reading and has been doing it for decades. The reason it's so unique to find a Christian who's read their Bible cover to cover 20 times, 25 times, 30 times. You don't do that in three years. Do that over a period of decades. The reason it's so unique to find a soul winner that's been soul winning for 30 years, 40 years, the reason it's so unique is because when you shine that way, you burn that way, and it's very likely to burn out. There are many Christians who quit. There are many Christians who burn up, who burn out, who don't have the energy and the resources, the fuel that is required to continue to burn. There are people who have done studies, and they've done studies on churches and, 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 and people who call themselves believers in Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because what they have found is that the average churchgoer lasts in their church faithfulness for about three years. When people decide, like, I'm going to, you know, whatever, we call it, hopefully, getting saved and, and walking with God. But when they decide, I'm going to start going to church, and I'm going to start walking with God, and I'm going to start living the Christian life, generally speaking, people do that for about three years, and then they quit. I remember reading that and hearing that, and I thought that was interesting, and I wondered if that was true. Then I pastored a church, and we came to about our three-year anniversary, And it seems like almost everyone we started with was gone. Almost everyone, not everyone, almost everyone we started with was gone. Then I began to to watch people in our church. I'm not talking about people who just came in one service or came in, you know, come in every uh, few months or whatever. I'm talking about people who were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winners, faithful, serving. And it seems that right about they get to that three-year mark, they just kind of start getting an itch. (laughs) Start needing to do something else and go somewhere else. And we call it all sorts of different things, but what it really is, it's a burning out. It is a burning up. We're told that if you make it past the three-year mark, then the next time that someone usually quits is about the seven-year mark. We found that to be true. And of course, this is not specific, there are exceptions, and we understand that. But generally speaking, most Christians, or many Christians, and hopefully not most Christians at Verity Baptist Church, will not make it very long in their Christian life, will not make it past three years, will not make it past seven years. It is an unfortunate thing, but when our church is celebrated uh, a 10-year anniversary, and when we get to 20-year anniversary and 30-year anniversary, it'll be rare, the church member, that we can say, they've been with us for 20 years, they've been with us for 15 years, they've been with us for 18 years, they've been with it for a while, because most Christians never figure out how to burn bright and not burn out. See, we're supposed to burn bright. Like a, kid, like a lit candle. Go to the book of Leviticus, if you would. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 24. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 24. We're supposed to burn bright. In the Christian life, we are to burn bright like a lit candle. Here's point number two. In the Christian life, we must burn bright without burning out. See, the trick is, the trick is 
to not burn bright. See, a lot of times you get new people in church, and I'm always thankful for new people. New people are excited and exciting, and, and sometimes. But I used to have a pastor who would call them. You know, they're they're like a, they're like they're they're like a firecracker. They're like a firework. You kind of set them on fire, and there's a you know, big bam, all sorts of energy and show for a little while. And it's like, what would happen to so and so? And they were so excited, and they were so, you know, into all of it, and, and they just, you know, blew up and went home. See, in the Christian life, we are to burn bright like a lit candle. Yes, number one. Number two, in the Christian life, we are to burn bright without burning out. So here's the question. Can you keep a candle from burning out? I mean, can you light a candle and keep that candle from burning out? Because if you cannot, then we're all destined to quit. If you cannot, we're all doomed to fail. But yet there are Christians, there are Christians sitting in this room right now who have served the Lord for decades. So can you keep a candle from burning out? Here's what's interesting. God expects it. God expects us to light a candle and to keep it lit without letting it burn up or burn out. It's interesting because in the book of Leviticus, we have God expressing to the children of Israel and to Moses how they are to set up the tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, we could do a whole study on the tabernacle. We've done studies on the tabernacle. In that tabernacle, you have all sorts of different types of furniture that represent certain things. And in that tabernacle, you had lit candles. Lit candles that I believe represent the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe represented uh, New Testament Christianity. I believe represented the whole concept of ye are the light of the world. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Leviticus 24 and verse 1. The Bible says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command that the children of Israel, notice, command the children of Israel, that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive, beaten, for the light. So notice, they're supposed to bring oil, pure uh, oil, olive, beaten for the light. Why? They're supposed to bring oil for the light. Why were they supposed to do that? Notice, to cause the lamps to burn continually. God said, I want you to set up these lights. I want you to set up these lamps. I want you to set up these candles. And I want you to light them. And I want you to keep them lit. I don't want them to burn out. And they would say, well, okay, God, you mean that when it burns out, do you want us to get new fire and set them back on fire? He said, no, 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 no. That's strange fire. See, I'm going to give you God's fire that comes from heaven. And I don't want you to let that fire burn out. I want you to bring strange fire. And I don't have time to do a study on that. But God actually killed people in the Old Testament for offering strange or different fire. He said, I don't want different fire. He said, I want the same fire to be continually lit, and I don't ever want it to burn out. And they would say, well, how do you expect us to do that? Because when you shine a light, it burns. And this candle will eventually burn up or burn out. And he would say, bring oil. He said, bring unto thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. Don't let it burn out. I want it to continue. One of these days we will do a study in the New Testament of the word continue. The Bible often tells us as New Testament believers that we are to continue. Continue in the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul would say. 
that we are to continue in the faith, continue in, the, in, in, in walking with God. Notice verse number four, same chapter, Leviticus 24, verse four. Notice what he says. He says, he shall order, Leviticus 24, four. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. He said, I want those lamps on the candlesticks. They're candles on candlesticks, and I want them burning before the Lord continually. So here's the question. Can you keep a candle from burning out? And the answer is yes, because God expects it. The answer is yes, because God says, I want you to cause the lamps to burn continually. I want you to uh, order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. So then you ask the question, well, how do you do that? Go to the book of Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter 25. You're there in Leviticus, so if you just head back one book, you have the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 25. Look at verse 31. Exodus 25 and verse 31. Notice what the Bible says. And thou, this is again God talking about the tabernacle and specifically about the lamps. Exodus 25, 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. Then he tells him, he says, here's what I want the candlestick to look like. He says, his shaft, his branches. Then he says this, his bowls, his knops, his flowers shall be of the same. So he said, I want you to make this candlestick and I want it to be a beaten work. I want it to be made out of gold. He said, I want the whole thing to be made out of gold. I want the shaft to be made out of gold. I want the uh, branches to be made out of gold. He said, I want the knobs and the flowers. He said, the decorations around it to be made out of gold. Out, out of gold. But he says this, he says, his bowls. I want the bowls to be made out of gold. You say, well, why would God want this candlestick? This candlestick with a shaft and branches and bowls to place the candle in. I'll read to you a little article here uh, called Creating an Oil Lamp Science Experiment. It's just a little article explaining how to do this. And I think it's actually meant for like homeschoolers or for kids. But, uh, but it's interesting. I'll, I'll read this to you. Pour about a half an inch of vegetable oil in a bowl. Crumble up a paper towel into a ball and place it into the bowl with the oil. You want the oil to soak the entire ball of paper, but you also want the paper to stick up above the surface of the oil. Use a match or a lighter to carefully light the top edge of the paper towel. It should easily catch fire. Now watch carefully. The fire continues to burn but the paper towel does not burn up. As long as there is oil in the bowl, the flame will continue without burning up the paper. How can that be? When you have, what you have just made is an oil lamp very similar to the ones that have been used for thousands of years. The paper towel serves as a wick to carry the oil up to the flame. As the oil is in the paper, Uh, As the oil in the paper is burned, more oil soaks up into the paper. The oil actually keeps the paper cool enough so that it does not burn, except at the very edge where you first lit it. This is something that's been used and practiced for thousands of years by mankind. 
an oil lamp. You say, well, how do you keep a, uh, how do you keep a paper, a wick, a candle from burning? And the answer is this, you place it in oil. See, when you take a candle and you light it on fire and there's no other fuel, there's no other source, then there's no other uh, way for it to burn bright. It has to burn something and it will burn its own wick. It will burn its own candle. It will use itself as the fuel needed to shine. You say, what's wrong with that? The problem with that is that eventually the wick runs out. Eventually it burns up. Eventually, it burns out and the light goes out. You say, well, how do you keep it from burning? If you put a candle in a bowl and fill it with oil and keep it filled with oil, then it'll soak that oil, it'll burn that oil, it'll use that oil as a source, as a fuel to shine bright without ever burning up. And this is the picture that God gives us. When God appeared, when the angel Lord appeared to Moses, the Bible says that Moses saw a burning bush. But what was interesting about the burning bush is not that it was a bush that was burning. I'm sure Moses had seen many bushes that had been burning. What caught his attention was that the burning bush, the bush was burning and was not consumed. The Bible tells us that our God is a burning fire. He's a consuming fire. God wants to consume everything in our lives, but he does not want to consume your life. See, the trick to burning bright and never burning out is to keep the fuel source, is to keep the oil in the lamp, is to keep the oil in the bowl. Go to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 2, towards the end of the New Testament, you've got the book of Revelation. If you go backwards, you have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. Jude, Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. The trick is to keep oil in the lamp. I thought about, I wanted to actually bring a bowl today with oil and a paper towel and, um, you know, just do it here uh, live. But then, I, I, you know, I thought more about it and I thought, good night, you know, I'm going to make these... Uh, fire, you know, the, the, the fire alarm to go off, and then the sprinklers are going to go off, and I thought that could become a, I mean, it'd be funny to watch the sprinklers go off, and all the ladies, and the water, you know, but you might not come back, and the kids were singing, and all that, so I decided not to. Maybe after the service in the parking lot, kids, meet me in the parking lot, and we'll set something on fire. We must burn bright without burning out. The oil becomes the fuel for the flame not the candle itself. In the Bible, oil represents something. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 27. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing. But the anointing. What do you use to anoint something? Oil. You anoint something with oil. But the anointing, the oil, which ye have received of him, talking about God, notice what it says, abideth in you. This is all referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what abides in you. And ye need not that any man teach ye, but as the same, notice, anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Why don't you notice that all throughout the Bible, and I'm not going to take the time to run you to a bunch of uh, verses, um, but it, you can study this out on your own. All throughout the Bible, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. 
oil and anointing represents the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice in this passage specifically, he talks about the anointing and then he connects it, he connects it with the word of God. He says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. In the Old Testament, you can go to the example of David when David, when Samuel anointed David to be king. The Bible says that he poured oil, physical oil upon David. And when that oil came upon David, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Because oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Bible's teaching us. And here's what the Bible tells us. That when you have the Holy Spirit as a source of fuel, you can burn bright and not burn out. When you have the Holy Spirit as a source of fuel, you can burn bright and not burn up. Over the last 10 years of ministry, I've had many people, unfortunately, say to me, Pastor, I just feel like I'm, I'm burnt out. You know, I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and the soul winning, and then, you know, tithing 10%, and then, you know, and then special meetings, and then this, and then that, and then choir, and then service, and then cleaning, and this, and that. There's just so much, there's so much going on. I'm just kind of tired of it. I just got tired of reading the Bible. I just got tired of having a prayer time. I'm just kind of tired of being married. I just got tired of raising my children. I just feel like I'm, per- I feel like I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I would submit to you this morning that if you ever say that, if you ever feel like that, I'm not beating up on you if you've said that or you felt that way. I'm just telling you, that is a sign that you're burning the wrong fuel. Say, so I just feel so tired. Tired where? In my flesh. Well, why are you doing it in your flesh? I'm just so tired in my flesh of soul winning. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. You're not supposed to be soul winning in your flesh. I'm just so tired of raising these kids just in my flesh. But you're not supposed to be doing it in your flesh. You're supposed to be doing it in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. And, and I just, just know this, just submit it, because people leave churches for all sorts of things, and nobody ever really tells the truth as to why they leave. People always have to give a fake reason as to why they leave. Nobody ever quits a church and says, Hey, just let, let me send a text message to everybody let you know, I'm backslidden. That's why I'm not coming back. I'm back on drugs. That's the thing. Just letting you guys know. Remember you guys? I was a recovering alcoholic and the church helped me, but now I'm back to drinking alcohol. That's why I'm leaving. That's not what they ever say. Here's what they say. They say, the pastor said something in the sermon that offended me. Translation, I'm backslidden. How do you not burn up? Walk in the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fuel you. Let the whole, I mean, how is it that some people, how is it that some people stay married for 42 years, raise kids for the glory of God, go soul winning, are faithful to church, do it, live for God, do it for decades and decades and decades, and like Caleb say, hey, I'm just, uh, I still got the energy. Like Moses says, at 80 years old, I still got the strength of a young man. Give me that mountain, it belongs to me. How do you make it to the end? Not burnt out and tired and weak. And faint. You do it by tapping into a different source. When you're tapped into yourself, when you're doing it out of your flesh, when you're doing it out of your own energy, you will not make it. 
In the Christian life, we are to burn bright like a lit candle, number one. In the Christian life, we must burn bright without burning out, number two. Here's point number three. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians chapter six. If you kept your place in John, and I encourage you to keep your place in John. We're coming back to John in a minute. But if you have your place in John, you go John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Here's point number 3. We're almost done. In the Christian life, we connect to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. You say, well, how, how can I be filled with the Spirit? There's lots of things you can do to be filled with the Spirit. And I've preached entire sermons on the subject of the filling of the Holy Spirit, and I'd encourage you to check those out. But if there's just one thing that I can tell you, you know, if there's one thing that the Bible emphasizes in regards to the Holy Spirit and us and what connects us to the Holy Spirit, I would say this, it is the Word of God. In fact, we just saw it in 1 John where he says the same anointing teaches you. It is a reference to the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is what helps you understand the Word of God. Unsaved people cannot understand the Bible because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They are spiritually discerned. Throughout the Bible, you find this connection between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I'll show it to you in Ephesians 6. We've been talking about, the last couple of weeks, spiritual warfare. And we've been talking about the armor of light. And we've talked about Ephesians 6 is that famous passage with the armor of God. Notice verse 17. The Bible says, and take the helmet of salvation and... Notice these words. The sword of the Spirit. Notice how the, what the Bible connects the Spirit of God with. The sword of the Spirit. You say, well, here's the Holy Spirit in the armor of God. He's, he's the sword of the Spirit. What is it? He says, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. There is a connection in the Bible between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit, one of His primary purposes, like we've already said, is to help you understand and learn and teach you the Word of God. There's a connection between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Go to John. John chapter 15, if you would. John chapter 15, look at verse 6. John chapter 15 and verse 6. John 15 and verse 6, the Bible says this, If a man abide not in me, this is Jesus speaking. By the way, Jesus is the word. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, notice these words, and is withered. Now this is using an illustration. There's all sorts of illustrations in the Bible. Here we're using an illustration of a, of a plant with a branch that is withered. That is the same as a candle that burns up. That's the same as a tree that dries up. It's all in reference to the fact that they're not connected to the proper source. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, notice what he says, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Look at verse 3. If you go back to verse 3, same chapter, notice the context of these words that Jesus said. John 15, verse 3. He says, Now ye are clean through, notice the words, the word. Referring to the word of God, which I have spoken unto you. The word of God fills us with the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is connected 
to the Holy Spirit. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 17, if you would. In the Old Testament, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. And look, whatever illustration you want to use, if you want to use the illustration of the branch, if you want to use the illustration of the tree, if you want to use the illustration of the light, it's all the same thing. If you're not connected to the right fuel, if you're not connected to the right source, you will begin to get weary. You will begin to burn up. You will begin to burn out. You will not last in the Christian life if you don't learn and figure out how to get connected to the right source. This is why Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sin nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. How do you become a tree that brings forth his fruit in his season, that does not wither, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever you do, it's so proud. How do you do that? You get your roots down into the rivers of water. John 17, 8 says this, For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh, and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You say, Pastor, what is the trick? to maintaining in the Christian life. And there's lots of things that we would say to that. There's lots of things that we could say, but if I had to say one thing, it would say, I would say this. Daily Bible reading. Look, I'm, just, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to help you with something here. Say, what is the difference between the one, you know, you two guys start at the same time, the same year, to come to church, Three to thrive, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning, tithing, serving, get involved, get connected. Three years later, one burns out while the other one's still shining bright. What's the difference? It, look, and sometimes they don't tell us, they, we don't know, we don't ask those types of questions, but I will say this. If I had to guess, one figured out the discipline of daily Bible reading, and the other one did it in their flesh. Why do people burn out? Why do people burn out? Yeah, pastor, but they said they quit because you offended them. Oh, really? Because the Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Amen. You know what I know about a God? You say, pastor, why are you always trying to get people to read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible? You know why I'm trying to get people to read the Bible? Because this is what I know. If I can get you in the Word, the Word can transform you, and you're not going to get backslidden, and you're not going to get offended. And even if I step on your toes, you're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, that's what the Bible says. Amen. That's what the Word of God says. See, in the Christian life, we connect to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. This is why we must practice daily Bible reading. Deuteronomy 17. Let me just show you a couple of verses. We'll finish up. Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse 18. And it shall be when he, and these are instructions in the Old Testament for the future kings of Israel. Don't forget the Bible says that we are kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. Notice that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which before the pre, uh, out of that which is before the priest and the Levites. Look at verse nineteen. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. Say so why? Why does God want the king to read 
the Bible all the days of his life. Here's why. That he may learn to fear the Lord as God and to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. It's not, it's not about knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's about application. I read it, I do it. I read it, I do it. I read it, I do it. Go to Acts 17 if you wouldn't. Acts 17, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Because some people say, well, that's just Old Testament. That's just the kings of Israel in the Old Testament. Well, let's look at it in the New Testament. New Testament believers, New Testament church. Acts 17, verse 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Look at verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Here we're told the Berean Christians were more noble than the Christians in Thessalonica. Now, we live in this, you know, no child left behind culture that says, oh, you never say that anyone is better than anyone else. Okay, but that, that's not what the Holy Spirit tells us in Acts. He says, look, the Christians in Berea were better than the Christians in Thessalonica. And I'm not preaching about this this morning, but let me just tell you something. Not all churches are created equal. There are some churches that are better than others. And, and some of you people, aren't you afraid, you know, uh, people go visit some other church somewhere? Aren't you afraid your church people go visit somewhere else? What if they like that church better? You know, it, my, my thoughts, if, if, you, if you leave this church and go to some contemporary, watered-down, NIV rock concert, look like you walked into a casino church, if you can't tell the difference, I can't help you. I mean, if you can't tell the difference between this preaching, Bible preaching, bold biblical preaching, and watered-down liberalism, then, then you deserve them. And they deserve you. Acts 17, 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Notice, they were under the preaching of the word of God. They had received the word of God. They were ready to take in the word of God. That's part of the Christian life. Going to church where you're going to be given the word of God in heavy doses and you need to be ready to receive it. You say, how do I get there? Here's how you do it. And search the scriptures daily, whether those things are so. You know what we need? You say, what do we need at Verity Baptist Church? We need Christians. We need, you need a pastor. And Lord willing, I'm doing it. And I'll do my best to continue to do it and get better at it. You need a pastor who's going to preach the word. Who's going to not hold back. And we need Christians who are searching the scriptures daily. Searching the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So that you don't have, we don't have Christians. Look, we don't have Christians saying, well, why do you dress like that? Because pastor says, wrong answer. Your family asks you, Christmas, why do you guys do, why does your family do this? And why do you do that? And why do you not vaccinate? And why do you go there? And why do you, you know, you, if, if you don't know, you know, we have this vaccine coming out right now. You have all sorts of worldly people that, well, why don't you vaccinate your kids? Look, you better have a Bible answer. And if you don't know, then you better read and study the Bible. The Bible says to have an answer for every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And look, my job is to stand up here and help you go further faster and help you learn the Word of God, but you need to take some responsibility for your Christian life and get some oil and get the Word of God and put some oil in that lamp and burn! And never burn out. Search the Scriptures daily, the Bible says. 
whether those things were so. Go to 2 Corinthians. We'll finish up right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Daily Bible reading. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I'm talking to you right now. I'm ta- you say, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you if you're sitting under the voice, of the, 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 the sound of my voice. And you do not, and I don't need you to raise your hand, and I don't need you to confess this to anybody, but I'm telling you right now, if you do not have a discipline of daily Bible reading, meaning you don't have a habit, you don't have a manner, you don't have a form of getting up every day, opening your kingdom's Bible, and reading it every day, if you don't have that, I'm talking to you. I don't know how else to be clear. I don't know how clear to be. I'm talking to you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to keep you in the fight. You can't make it in the Christian life. You can make it for three years, burning on your own. might make it for seven years, burning on your own. But you can't burn bright and not burn out if you're not being filled by the Word of God. There's two types of Christians in this world. Those who read their Bibles and those who don't. And we want you to read your Bible. That's why every year for the last 10 years, we've had this church uh, uh, reading challenge. January is Bible month, and we challenge you to read the Bible. You say, why? Why do you challenge me to read the Bible? You know, nine chapters a day in the month of January. I mean, that's a lot of chapters. That's a lot of day. You know, here's what I'm hoping. If we can get you, if we can motivate you, if you, you say, I'm feeling kind of guilty. Okay, number one, that's the Holy Spirit. Number two, if I can guilt you, if I can guilt you into reading the Bible, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll guilt you into reading the Bible. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, I'd pay you to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I feel like guilty. Well, that's, you know, it's usually you feel guilty when you're not doing something right. Nine chapters a day. Why do you do it? Here's my hope. If you can read nine chapters of the Bible every day in the month of January, it'll develop a habit. It'll develop a, a momentum going. And February 1st, you know, reading three or four chapters a day doesn't seem that hard. You know that we had, I don't know what the number, I should have checked. We had, I think, 90 or something, 90, 80, 90 people read nine chapters a day in the month of January last year. You know that if you read the entire New Testament in the month of January, then you could read the entire Bible, the rest of the Old Testament, over the next 11 months by reading three to four chapters a day. Three to four chapters a day, we're talking about a 10 minutes. 10 minutes of Bible reading. We, we could have a church... We've got about 175 people here this morning. Obviously, COVID has affected some of our attendances. We have a church with about 180, 200 people in it. We could literally have a church where half of our church, about 100 people, read the Bible cover to cover the, the entire year, every year. I mean, imagine what would happen. The average pastor only reads the Bible cover to cover in seminary, <laughs> which is why they preach the way they do. You could read the Bible to cover, cover to cover every year. You say, where do I start? Glad you asked. Nine chapters a day. Nine chapters a day. You say, I don't have time for that. You have time for whatever you make a priority. You, you make time for whatever priorities you want. I doubt, I doubt, you say, I'm real busy. I doubt you're so busy. You're like, Man, I have an eight. I, Pastor, let me tell you something. You want to know how busy I am? I have an eight in the last three weeks. I just haven't had time. I just, I mean, I, I, I try to make time to sit down and eat. And I just, I'm so busy. No, I'm sure you make a priority. I haven't slept in 42 days. Okay, Elijah. 
I, I just, I don't have time. I mean, I try to go late on, but I'm just so busy. No, you're not. Look, look, we make time for the things that are important. And you need to make Bible reading important. You need to make it a priority. Let me give you some, real quickly, just some steps for Bible reading. Step for daily Bible reading. Number one, choose a place. Choose a location. Decide right now. This is where I will read the Bible. I will read the Bible, you know, um, at my uh, dinner table. I will read the Bible, you know, at, at, during my lunch break. In this place, at this, you know, I, I've choose a place. And don't, don't, let, don't let that place be your bed, okay? You know, don't let it be the super comfy chair. Maybe, you know, the, the hard wooden chair. But I choose a place. Number two, use a plan. Look, you got to have a plan for charting your way through the Bible. We're talking about these things. And you don't need to use ours. You can make your own. You can Google it. There's all sorts of things. But let me tell you something. Look, you say, oh, well, I just kind of read whatever. I just kind of open the Bible and I read and I'll read through the Bible. No, you won't. Let me tell you something. I'm not trying to, look, I'm just telling you the truth. You are not going to read through the book of Leviticus unless you do it on purpose. You're not going to read through Zephaniah. You're not going to read through Ezekiel. There's just certain books of the Bible, you're not going to read through them unless you purposely set out to read them. You're not going to read the Bible cover to cover unless you purposely set out to do it. So you need a plan. You need a chart. You need a way to be able to track and say, yes, I've read that. Yes, I've gone there. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I've finished. Yes, I read nine chapters a day. Yes, I read the Old Testament. Yes, I am reading the Bible. You say, oh, well, what's the point? To keep yourself fueled? Choose a place. Use a plan. Make an appointment. You got to make an appointment with God. Make an appointment with God. I mean, if you had an appointment with God, if God sent you an email and said, I want to meet you in this place this time, be there. I mean, wouldn't you make that a priority? Let me tell you something. God wants to meet with you every day. God wants to meet with you through his word. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you his word. Make an appointment. You know, I recommend, and what we do in our home, my wife and I is, First thing in the morning, when we get up, we make coffee, we sit at, our ta- at the dining room table, we read the Bible. We read the Bible together, we're not really reading the Bible together, I'm reading the Bible, she's reading the Bible, we're having a cup of coffee, but that's just our appointment. That's our appointment. Now obviously sometimes things get in the way and that doesn't happen and we make it up later on in the day, but in general, in general, you know, that's our Bible reading time. That's some of you guys text me, you know, in the morning, I don't get back to you until later, I turn that thing off and I have an appointment with God. Make an appointment. Now, look, I encourage you to make it first thing in the morning. Maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you've got different shifts and different things or whatever. But here's what I'm telling you. Make an appointment. Choose a place. Get a plan. Make an appointment. Get in a habit. Read the Bible. And we'll see you in 10 years. We'll see you in 20 years. We'll see you in 30 years. I want to encourage you to take the nine chapters a day challenge. To develop the habit of daily Bible reading. To become one of these all-star, more noble than those in Thessalonica Christians who actually takes the time to read their Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. Notice what Paul said. Paul went through a lot of heartache. Paul went through a lot of heartache, trials, tribulations, and Paul did a lot of work for God. Paul did things that required a lot of energy, a lot of fuel, Notice what he says, 2 Corinthians 4.16. For which cause we faint not. What does it mean to faint not? To not wither away, to not burn out, to not burn up, to not quit. 
I mean, Paul's about to give us his, his secret for not quitting. The guy who got to the end of his life, probably being the most effective soul winner, evangelist, church planner, missionary that has ever lived, the guy that gets to the end of his life and says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, he says, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous God, he says, he's, he's going to give it to me. That guy is about to tell us how he stayed in it. Here's what he says. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish. Look, your, your flesh is going to get tired. We understand that. I'm tired right now. Your flesh is going to get tired. We're going to have things. We're going to have events. We're going to have conferences. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. You're going to have things going on in your life. He says, though our outward man perish. We understand your flesh will get tired. Your, your things will get difficult. Things will get hard. You will be burdened. You will be stressed. You will be stressed out. Here's what Paul says. But though the outward man perish, he says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He says, you know what I do? You know, Paul says, you know what I do every day? So I don't faint. So I don't quit. So I don't burn out. He says, the outward man perish. He said, we have persecutions and trials. We have, uh, you know, people fighting us and people attacking us. He says, though the outward man perish, he says, but you know what I do every day? I make sure that the inward man is renewed day by day, every day. Renewed. You say, what's a synonym for the word renewed? Refueled. I just put some more oil in that bowl. And I keep that light burning. I keep that light shining. That's what you need. That's what I need. And just know this. Just know this. If I quit three years from now, seven years from now, if you quit, whatever the reason, oh, I was being honest. Okay, whatever the reason, I will submit to you this. No one quits on God without first quitting on daily Bible reading. So read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get renewed. For which cause we faint not, but though the, our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Let's bow our heads and our word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the study in the Bible. We know that we're supposed to shine bright, shine as light. But Lord, help us also not to burn out, not to burn up, not to faint. Help us to be renewed day by day. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a church filled with Christians who get up every day and read the Bible. Just have a habit, nothing flashy, not for the praise of man, not for the, to be seen of men. Just open up their Bible every day and have an appointment with God. Have a time with God. Get refueled. Get renewed in their inner man. We love you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to have a great nine chapters a day challenge this year that many of our church people would take the challenge, get committed, stick with it. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.